this evening for your faithfulness in giving and also uh, you being here tonight is an encouragement, uh, a joy and also just a blessing to the church. And so we thank you tonight. We thank everyone involved in the worship team, uh, those involved in media tonight. We appreciate your labor and your faithfulness tonight. Uh, tonight, as I mentioned earlier this morning, uh, we are going to be uh, watching a sermon preached uh, by Pastor Nigel Brown. Pastor Nigel Brown is a leader of our fellowship in London. He pastors the church in Waltzmanstow, uh, Wal don't know if I'm saying it right. I think it's Waltzman Stowe. Uh, uh, in London, UK, uh, uh, I met him once. I can tell you uh, my first impression about Pastor Nigel Brown uh, is simply the fact that he is a very, very humble man. Uh, he was, um, he spoke very good. Uh, uh, he spoke words that brought incredible insight into our lives. Uh, we were incredibly encouraged, but I want to also remind you, beloved, as you listen to him, uh, I always have said to the church, I don't simply, for the sake of showing you a sermon, I show you a sermon, uh, but I appeal to the church this morning. I said, please, please listen to the sermon tonight because the one common question people often ask, why is God allowing me to go through this? Why does God not answer my prayer? Why is God not hearing my prayer? And I think he very well dissects that question by answering some of the prerequisites to gaining God's heart and being able to receive an answer from God. And I want to encourage you to tune in, uh, listen, pay attention tonight, and allow God to minister to our hearts in this place. Amen. Blessing, uh, live stream team again. Thank Blessing, you uh, for all uh, your live hard stream team again. Thank you uh, for all your hard work. Let's turn to Second Chronicles, uh, chapter one, verse seven to verse twelve. You know, today is Valentine's Day, and people go to great lengths to uh, generate special moments on days like today to try and capture or woo someone that they love? Well, our text is such a moment. Not between a man and a woman, or woman and her man, but a man and his God. The text we're about to read is a man capturing the heart or the attention of God. The Bible tells us that Jesus was moved with compassion at times. He was moved. God can be moved. God's attention can be captured. He can be drawn to you. He can be, he can be uh, I don't know if he's mesmerized, but he can be, he can be uh, uh, wooed. He can be uh, 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 captured. I keep using that word. That's about it as far as I go this morning. But, but there's something that a man can do. Now, some of you desperately need that. You're in trouble. You drifted. There's things. You, your walk with God is just, it just, it's, it's just kind of, it's there. I mean, you're here. You're watching. But, but you need, you need God's attention. You need something to happen between you and him. The lessons of our text, if you'll put these into play, 
It can change your relationship with God as it did with Solomon. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7 to 12. On that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? And Solomon said to God, You have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, O Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established. For you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth in multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this great people of yours? And then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you've not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I've made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I, and I will give you riches, wealth, and honor, such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. I want to look about moving God's heart from this text. Three things that Solomon had that if you will have in your heart can make an incredible difference between you and God. The first thing is he understood God's economy. Now what I mean by that is, is first of all, we, gotta, we all acknowledge God is our Father, if you're a born-again believer, and we are His children. And it is the most natural thing for a child to ask their parent for what they need. Matthew 7, verse 11, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? It is not wrong to ask for help. It's not wrong to ask for finances. It's not wrong to ask for health. It's not long, wrong to ask uh, uh, for any of these things. In fact, the opposite is true. We're encouraged to ask. In fact, the Bible says sometimes you're wrestling, you're frustrated, you're caught up in the wrong thing simply because you didn't ask. You're under pressure at work. You're facing things in life. You're deeply troubled, frustrated in all sorts of relationships. You've got this desire, that desire going here, there, and everywhere simply because you don't believe that if you ask over the small things, God will help you. The text says, where do wars and fights come from among you? You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. God wants you to ask for help. He wants you to ask for blessing. He wants you to ask for needs to be met. In fact, be anxious for nothing, Philippians 4 tells us, verse 6 and 7. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's not wrong to ask him to help you raise your children. 
It's not wrong to ask God to help you uh, uh, get through this sickness. It's not wrong to ask God to help you with pressures and finances. It honors Him. In fact, uh, it uh, brings glory to Him because we're trusting His nature as our Father, a loving, compassionate, caring God, which is why uh, uh, as new converts, I remember whole group, we were so assured of God's love and involvement. I had friends that prayed over their, their, their sick animals, their pets. I had friends that, in fact, all of us as new converts ran out of petrol at various points and different things. We'd pray over our cars because we had, we had just this, and sometimes it worked, right? It's like, wow, it, we told everybody. And next time we were lazy, didn't fill up the tank, and it never did. But, you know, in other words, God, we, we, we grow up today knowing that Jesus said, if I'm going to teach you how to pray, at some point, give us today our daily bread is not a wrong prayer. In fact, pray it, ask. Solomon is not being commended because uh, 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 he didn't ask because it's wrong to ask. It's simply he has a priority in his life. In this moment when he can ask for just about anything, whatever you want, what would you ask? What's in the average person's mind? If God said to you, whatever you want, what do you want? But Solomon, in that moment, he could have anything. He understands the kingdom of God. And that is, if you put God's will first, if you put the kingdom of God first, first, it will bring greater blessing to your life than what you think right now. Jesus said in Matthew 6, therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To be blessed, to make a mark upon God's heart, the issue is what is first. And I know I've mentioned the tithe quite a few times in the last few services, but the tithe, when you take Whatever salary you get, whatever income you get, whatever prosperity, whatever profit you make, uh, if you believe what the Bible says and the first 10% uh, uh, belongs to God, whether that's, that's before taxes, uh, that's before rent, that's before bills, uh, the first of everything we get belongs to God. If you believe that and you say, you know what, that's what the Bible teaches and you give that, that's first. It's the first fruits. And that's why God says, try me now in this, Malachi 3.10, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it, I want to speak to every new believer that's in the house. I want to speak to those that have recently given your life to Christ. This, uh, 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 this thing about giving, uh, this tithing, uh, if you will trust God, uh, if you will honor him with the first fruit, uh, you trigger something because that's the kingdom of God. Put God first 
and there's a releasing of favor, which is why missionaries, many times we send out missionaries, and God says, I promise them a hundredfold blessing. You know, when, you've, when you go out as a missionary, you think, well, gosh, I'm going to come back in five years, seven years. You know, uh, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, you know, uh, Jason and Kerry Campbell very soon off to Barbados. Uh, in a couple of months' time, we're making plans already, going to do a missionary work. They're going to leave everything here, a uh, little business, life, finances, uh, uh, all, and they're going to trust that we're going to look after them. <laughs> well, well, we'll have to see. But anyway, they're going to, then off they're going to go, uh, but, but they They've left, and, 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 and they're, they're, what's going to happen when they come back after seven years, five years? I know we said five, maybe seven, but whatever. You know, <laughs> slipped out of the bag. But, uh, you know, they come back. We let them come back, and they come back. But there's a feeling of what, what do I come back to? I want to tell you, if you keep your heart right, there is a reward when you put his kingdom first. Many people want to get everything sorted. They want to get financially secure. They want to get everything in place, and then I'll serve God. Then I'll step out. I want to tell you, put God first, and he'll take care of you. Gehazi, Elisha's disciple, panicked. He's been given an opportunity that might never come again. A rich man, a powerful man, is wanting to reward uh, the minister. And uh, uh, Elisha says, no, I'm not interested. But Gehazi chases after it. And his master, Elisha, rebukes him and says, is it time? to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves, and goes on and on. And he's brought into judgment because he was a young man that didn't understand timing. You don't have to chase everything. You don't have to, uh, every opportunity that comes before you has has to be assessed. Is this the will of God? Is this for now? Because if you put God first, God will always bless. Peter said, see, we've left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Interesting, isn't it? When you're a brand new convert, uh, uh, it makes no demand. You put God first all the time. The, The temptation is, though, as you get older in the faith, you begin to worry. I've made all of these good decisions in the past. I've sacrificed. What about me, Lord? Am I going to be left on the shelf? Am I going to be left with nothing? I've made this sacrifice. And, that, and we begin to panic. I tell you, timing. Keep putting. Peter begins, well, Lord, we've, we've, we've left. What's going to happen to us? And Jesus reassures him that there's going to be a blessing. Solomon might not get this chance again. But he understood something. If I'll put God first, there'll be a greater blessing than what I see before me or what I'm being offered. Lord, I want your kingdom first. The second thing we see here is that he viewed his life from a larger perspective. We are called by name. There really is a personal dimension to our walk with God. The Bible says, God spoke to Jeremiah and said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isaiah 43, verse 1, I've called you by your name. It gives us great confidence to know that we're not forgotten, 
that we as an individual matter to God. Hagar has been cast out of the church, if you like. She's uh, been rejected by Abraham and, and Sarah, his, uh, his wife. She's, she's got herself into trouble. She's cast out. And the Bible says in Genesis 16 that the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water of the wilderness. It gives us a great confidence that each soul matters to God. He searches for the lost sheep. He chases the one that's drifted from the 100. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, said the Lord. And so in times of difficulty, in times when we feel vulnerable, lonely, these things God speaks to us and said, you matter to me. I love you. We, we rejoice in the fact that each one of us has an individual a calling. We have a purpose that God made for us. Yet Solomon, he understands that as we understand that. But Solomon was aware of another dimension. That he was part, yes, God loves us as an individual. Yes, God has a personal destiny for each one of us. But we're part of a bigger picture. Solomon says to God, you have shown great mercy to David my father and have made me king in his place. Now, Lord God, let your promise to David my father be established for you've made me king over a people. He saw his life connected to a promise made to others. You know, our fellowship is the result of God speaking to a man, Pastor Wayman Mitchell, when he first got saved, he was baptized in the Holy Ghost incredibly powerfully. God's filling him. He's a brand, has no idea what's going on, brand new convert, and he begins to prophesy about the nations of the world and about a movement and God pouring out his spirit. Well, we're part of that prophecy. We're part of that fulfillment through his life. God began to move, and uh, you know the story, and it became part of the Jesus people revolution in the, in the States. The hippies were getting saved. Pastor Mitchell uh, was led to that, tied into that, saw incredible growth, trained men, planted churches, and now our fellowship all over the world. But we're part of not a work of man, but a part of a promise a promise made to somebody else. I was reading Reinhard Bonnke's uh, autobiography, and I know a lot of you have read that, Living a Life of Fire, either read it or listened to it. I encourage you to do either. Uh, and in the first few chapters of his book, he talks about how his forefathers were impacted by a traveling evangelist after World War I. It was intriguing to me that before he began to tell his own story, he's referred back not just to his father, but his father's father and the man that witnessed to his father's father. You know, in other words, he didn't see it all about him. He didn't feel like he was the beginning and the end of everything. He saw himself linked to other people. Now, that's actually quite not every, you think everybody has that revelation, but they don't. A lot of Christians just see themselves in their own kind of world with God. 
They don't see themselves linked to others. They, they don't understand the divine placement and, and, and what your, your lineage, your history, your future lineage, and, and what you're connected to. But I want to tell you, men of God do. Solomon did. You know, Pastor uh, Fred Ruby made a comment. We had a pastor's meeting the other week, and we were doing a Zoom meeting with a number of pastors. And he made this comment, and he's, you know, Pastor Fred. He, and so he made this comment. He said there are some people, he was, he was talking about religious folks. Uh, he says they have an expiry date on the back of their neck. And, and what he meant was uh, 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 there, there are some religious folks, and they come into a church. Uh, oh, they love it, they love it, they love it. But there's an expiry date. Six months, one year, two months. But at some point, they're going to move on. And the reason is because one thing is, is and, and I, hey man, they're not our enemies. Praise God. Lord bless you. You know, thank God. But, but I feel for you because you don't, under, you don't sense it. You don't, you don't feel it. You don't feel linked to come wind, hail, difficulties. You, you don't see yourself as part of a lineage, a connection to those that have gone before and those that will come after. You know, one pastor made the comment one time, what makes it work for us is the corporate anointing. In other words, we are part of something greater than just ourselves and our own purposes. We are part of a corporate. One of the reasons why our annual conference in October, I want to give a little plug for it. Uh, you really should try and book that time off in faith uh, that we're going to be able to have it uh, the proper way. Uh, but in October, uh, it, the, our conferences are more than just a lot of people getting together and worshiping. There's something about them. And what it is, is we as individuals have come in, pastors have come in, congregations have come in, and we're standing before God, and what we're saying is we recognize it's not just about me and you, that we're part of something that you're doing across the world with other people, and we feel that connection, we feel that linking. That truth is throughout the whole Word of God. There was a man... Um, Shibboleth or whatever his name was. He, was. he was only saved because he was the son of Jonathan. David uh, searches him out after Jonathan's death. Uh, he's saved, he's looked after simply because who he was the son of. You cannot say, uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 21, I have no need of you. Christians do not live life thinking I don't need anybody. They're connected to a people. And, and Timothy himself saw himself as an extension of Paul's ministry. Paul said of Timothy, he will remind you of my ways. Timothy saw his life simply as someone to pass on the truth that Paul had imparted to him. And in that, it was a blessing. Some people hate that thought. I want what's mine. I, I want to be passing on what's mine. I want to be, you know, it's my ministry. And, and, you know, I want to tell you, Solomon didn't see life like that. He starts off his prayer, you promised my father David. I am the result. I'm not a self-made man. I'm the result of being part of something bigger than myself. And I have a greater responsibility than simply my own life. Decisions and choices are made in view 
of those who went before us and those who are going to come after us. And if you live like that, there's something about it that draws the heart of God to your life. I close with the third thing here, and that is the blessing of God's people. Solomon makes a choice, God's people first. He was willing to go without. Now, now remember this, Solomon, what do you want? You want riches? You want fame? You want your name in all the, all the social media sites? You, wanna, you want, uh, uh, what do you want? Whatever you want, you can have. And he says, you know what, I don't want gold. I'm not interested in fame. I don't need a long life. Give me wisdom for this great people of yours. Now listen to me. You can make a lot of mistakes in life, and we do. Right? <laughs> we get a lot of things wrong, folks. But you, you succeed right here you gain a lot of favor. You might not be all you should be. You might have a few issues. <laughs> you might have a few. You might not be 100% on it. But if you succeed here, you trigger something great favor. Like the Shunammite woman in 2 Kings 4, 9 to 10, she says to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God. She's talking about Elijah who passes by us regularly. Let us make a small upper room on the wall. Let's put a bed for him in there, table and a chair, lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. She said, I'm gonna make, she says to her husband, let's build this prophet a little room room in our house so when he travels he can have a resting place and it's interesting as life moves on she's given up on having a child she's desperately a hurting woman has no idea that when she blesses uh, 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 in this case the prophet uh, God's going to bless her the apostle Paul that promise that lots of people pray and they say my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory but it began first with Philippians 4, 18 to 20, uh, Paul writing, saying, Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full and have received from Epaphrodites the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ. There's a principle in the kingdom of God. If you bless the people of God, God will bless you. Say, well, okay, Pastor, well, all you've talked about so far is ministers and prophets. Well, I want you to think about Ruth and Naomi. Boaz answers Ruth and says to her, it's been fully reported to me, all that you've done for your mother-in-law, this is a Jewish uh, uh, mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you've left your father, your mother, the land of your birth, and have come to a people whom you did not know before. Listen, the Lord repay your work and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you've come for a refuge. This young woman blessed a little old Jewish widow. She wasn't a high flyer. She wasn't the pastor. She wasn't in ministry. She wasn't the prophet. She's a little widow. 
And this young woman's care for her was recognized by heaven and received a blessing. A heathen takes care of Joseph and blesses him in Potiphar's house and God blesses Potiphar. Listen, how you treat the people of God is how God's going to treat you. When you speak of them, some of you making mistakes, man. You're too quick with your, with your mouth or your text message. Too quick to, 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 you know, to mutter and murmur. And, and, and you may, Folks, church is going to move on, but you're missing out. If you pull down the people of God, you don't enter into great favor with God. I'll tell you why, because this group of people, God's people, are great in the eyes of God. That's why I'm saying when I woke up this morning, it wasn't because I'm this one, it's not that somehow I've got this huge heart. No, no, this, I don't know why, but just this morning, the Spirit of God births within me, and I just, His love for this church, for His people, look at it, I mean, we're very ordinary people but we're, we're his children and he loves us. This great people of yours, they belong to God. Zechariah, Zechariah chapter two, verse eight, for he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. People that bless you get blessed. People that curse you get cursed. So here's, the, here's what I'm trying to say. If you're in a dark place today, you're, you're not doing well. You're struggling financially. You're struggling in life. Your walk with God's all over the place. I put a challenge to you. Look for one of God's people to bless. Look for one of God's people to bless. I want to tell you, I'm not talking about putting money in the offering. That's another sermon. I'm talking about you. You say, well, I'm, I'm broke. That's the problem. Why don't you just look for someone to bless? A brother, a sister in the church. The elderly, the sick, someone else in need. Look to bless someone because if you do it to the least of these, Jesus said, you do it to me. Nehemiah's prayer was, remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I've done for this people. He says, oh God, I need your blessing. Remember what I've done for your people. If you will serve this people, if you will bless people in this church, if you will go out of your way, even in times of difficulty and say, I'm not going to live for, no, 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 I'm not going to grasp for me. Let me bless someone in this church. I want to tell you, God will bring a blessing upon you. you this Valentine's Day, Christ is the bridegroom. We are the bride. You can touch his heart simply by making a decision. God's will needs to be first. I know God will look after me. I know God will bless. I know, uh, uh, but, but you know what? Let me put God's, this opportunity may not be God. 
I have to put God's will in him first. And in choosing that, he'll look after me. I see my life, not just my own destiny, but linked to a great people. And thirdly, you want to trigger God's heart, bless someone in the household of faith, and God will take care of you and your house. Let's bow our heads together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. God bless you this